Hello, everyone. Before we start the pod, we want to acknowledge the news about Joshua Primo that has come out in the past week. From what we've learned, we agree with the decision to waive Primo and understand that all the information has not been made public at this time as the investigations are underway. Because of the team that we root for, we will be talking about the Spurs on the pod, but we will not be talking about the Primo situation until new factual information becomes available. Thank you. In this episode, we talk a lot about Brooklyn. We check in on some playoff teams and wonder about the constant fear of regret. Welcome to Dimes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in to the Dimes Pod. I am your co-host, Carter. With me, as always, my co-host, JR. JR, breaking news right before the pod. Shout out to the Brooklyn Nets for getting business done. We're talking on the phone, pre-pod meeting, and you're like, Kyrie suspended. (laughs) What was your gut reaction on that? I, my gut reaction, honestly, was... I like that it was without pay. I guess it kind of always is without pay. I don't know if five games is kind of like enough. I almost wish they were like, you're suspended until you say an actual apology. The words I'm sorry would be great to hear on the ear. Exactly. This conversation, the whole Brooklyn Nets thing, we're going to put it square in the middle with some fire or ice. We're going to go... Beat by beat, tick by tick, (laughs) woes tweet by shams tweet. Let's see where we land. (laughs) So this first one, this breaking news, this fresh. Kyrie Irving suspended four five games without pay. Obviously, this is impactful. This has some fire elements to it. But, like, I guess, is this going to... How fiery can this get? Is Kyrie going to demand a trade? I don't know. I think he didn't. He already kind of tried to do that last season and it didn't go through. And I don't know what's happened from then until now to make him like a better trade candidate um, necessarily. But like if you were one of the other 29 teams, would you want to trade for this guy right now? Absolutely not. I mean, it's just first of all. He's not that great of a team basketball player. You kind of have to decide to put your whole squad around him. And we've been talking throughout this whole season. There's just a lot of talented teams out there, even the young ones. There's no one who is willing to throw themselves just to get in the playoff conversation because the draft is so good. So that would have to be the situation where it's like the draft isn't good or maybe they don't have draft picks. So let's kind of hand our team to Kyrie. I don't even want to hand like 
my coat to Kyrie. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to like anything. Uh, I, anything that I would like back at any point. I mean, just <laughs> like he's he's cuckoo crazy. <laughs> he's a distraction. He's not that great at basketball anymore. And with his personality and his performance, neither of those things lead to winning in the NBA. Exactly. I I think that we would agree that he's still good at basketball, but all the baggage does not. Over, you know, all the baggage, I mean, outweighs how good he is at basketball. So until he makes some changes, which seems like he's not going to because he's been on on one, as they say, for years now. <laughs> um, <laughs> this might just I don't know. This might be the start of a serious, serious downfall for him. The thing with Kyrie is it almost has to it, like fire or ice or like a hurricane of flames <laughs> like it like it's like or this thing with Kyrie because I want to say I think this is going to happen but anything truly is possible with Kyrie so let's move to some more easily digestible Brooklyn Nets news Woes tweeted it and so it will be true Emo Doko is in the like finalizing of a deal process with the Brooklyn Nets can Ime turn this thing around in any way possible, or is this not going to matter at all? Is this fire or ice? I think this is fire, but not because he's going to like propel the Nets to like a home court advantage seed now. Because the thing about Ime is he was a coach for one year and he did take his team to the finals, but that was a team that was like ready to go. I don't know if I'm backtracking on something that I said before. I think he's a really good coach, but that team was going really far with or without him, and he might have gotten them further than they would have otherwise. This Nets team is like in shambles right now. I don't know that he is going to be able to pull it together with his only one year of coaching experience. I mean, do you think he's going to have like the relationship with KD and Kyrie and Ben Simmons and be able to pull them together? Celtics fans who know Ime basically know that he was just calling out the players publicly for the first half of the season. They're like, what's happening? And then they, the players started to buy in. I don't know if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I know for a fact Ben Simmons, isn't going to like someone saying, you need to get better at X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe Ime is a better coach than we're giving him credit for not saying he's bad but maybe he's at elite level and understands i can say that to unproven guys like jalen brown like jason tatum marcus smart can handle it because he'll throw it right back at me al horford savvy vet maybe he has the capability to coach in two completely different ways like the greatest can popovich can coach tim duncan at age 37 and he can de coach Keldon Johnson at age 22. <laughs> can he be kind is the question. And I don't know. Emace, as a coach, purely as a coach, like, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can handle it because who possibly can? Steve Nash was the greatest point guard of his generation, and he couldn't handle it. He couldn't figure out how to make this all work. Here's the next question for the Nets. Should they even try to go forward? Or is it so broken that they need to trade Kevin Durant for picks? They need to try to get off of Ben Simmons in some way. They need to 
Are they in a Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook situation where they have to attach picks just to get him out of there? Should they be going the other way and let Ime build a young team? Yeah, that sounds great. Like Kevin Durant is the because of where he's at in his career and his age, like you really have two choices. You need to like super double down because right now it seems pretty unlikely that you can trade Ben Simmons or trade Kyrie. So to maximize Kevin Durant, you need to just like double down and be like, we are going to bring in Ime. We're going to work this out. We're going to try to win some games or to your point, start with Kevin Durant, trade him for picks. I know they're trying to trade him. Um, didn't get the, any kind of return like they're hoping. But at this point, you got to pick the first option or just trade him for what you can get. And I would do it now. <laughs> well, do you think that they can coast for much longer? Five games without Kyrie. Seth Curry is still not back. They have Joe Harris. He looks like he's still in recovery mode. They also have Kevin Durant, who is one of the best basketball players to ever walk the face of the planet. I don't, I don't think that this is going to turn around. They just don't have the talent. They don't have the actual depth the team needs to survive through this season and through this Eastern Conference. It is stronger than it was. No easy wins anywhere in the league. We've seen by the Jazz winning record, the Spurs winning record. Man, fire or ice, is this just teardown? I think just tear it down. The whole org is messed up. It's too much. There's a lot of fire coming out of that org. And I think they should just let it burn down. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. Next, we're going to talk about some teams that are doing really well. After the break. seven eight games into the season and people are throwing records around like they really mean something people are saying oh man this team that's five and two is killing it but this team that's three and four disaster zone hit the panic button it's two game difference doesn't really matter we wouldn't care about this in the middle two weeks of january but that's all we got to talk about now but i want to look in i want to get under the hood check the record of some of these teams and see do we actually have something from these seven to eight games? So we're going to start with a very easy record to talk about because there's nothing in one of the columns, the 7-0 Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks look like a force. They're at the top of the whole NBA. Uh, and I'll just start it off with saying I think they're for real. They've been for real for many years now. When you have Giannis, you're kind of always for real, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, the teams that they've beaten have not necessarily been great teams. I'll quickly go through them. They've beaten 76ers, Rockets, Nets, Knicks, Hawks, and then just beat the Pistons uh, two times in a row. So those are not the top tier of teams. But we also have to remember that Mm -hmm. the Bucs are missing their second best player in Middleton. I guess Drew is really gunning for that second best player on the team right now because he's playing kind of out of his mind. <laughs> uh, but they're doing it with defense first. They're about middle of the pack on offense, but they are first in defensive mm. rating so far this season, probably because Giannis is always a defensive player of the year candidate and just a monster. 
he's doing incredibly well this season, right? I mean, 33 points, 12 and a half boards, five, five assists, a steal, and a block a game. And his teammates are doing work. Like, Brooke Lopez, he crushed it the other night, right? Like, 20-something points. Yeah, he's, I think, in third place in scoring on the team. So they're getting, like, a huge contribution from him. I guess especially because Middleton's out. But him and Bobby Portis are so important to this team because they're big. Brooke Lopez can shoot. Bobby Portis can shoot a little bit, too. But they rely on those two bigs so, so much. With the Bucks. And they're seven and oneness. I mean, that's a real record. It counts. Like, are they getting over sixty something games? Yeah, I think their plus minus was like fifty six, fifty six and a half or something. So, I think they're one win away from their greatest start that they've ever had. Like, I don't think they've ever, <laughs> as a franchise, gone eight and zero. But they're, like I said, they're doing it with defense. And other than the guys that we've already mentioned, their role players are like really scrappy on the defensive end. Um, like Grayson Allen, Javon Carter, and Bobby Portis is like sneaky scrappy. You can really fly <laughs> around out there, those long arms. They're just not a fun team to play against. They don't let you get in the sets that you want to get in. And when Giannis is always there, he can get across the court in two steps. He, you always have to watch out for him, even if you think he's nowhere near. What? It, do they have a weakness? Like, I mean, like we're looking at them. They've literally not lost. Yes, they haven't played the best teams, but they have played the, some of the teams that thought they were going to be the best, like the Sixers, the Nets, the Hawks. Like, I mean, do they what? How can a team beat them? So when I was kind of looking at their games that they played, <clears throat> I saw a bunch of quotes that their players were making, like Giannis and Drew. And their weakness that they said was that they just can't beat themselves mentally. Like they just have to stay focused. Mm. And I kind of took that as, okay, so just try not to get bored while you're winning all these, <laughs> while you're winning all these games. And that's like kind of what they were trying to say. I mean, Giannis was like, we're building good habits in these wins. We can't wait to get Middleton back, but also let's like not lose focus. Like we're seven and zero, but there's like 75 more games to go and anything could happen. Um, I don't know about you, but if I had to play 82 of like the exact same game, I'm sure my mind would wander for a good amount of those. These guys have to stay so focused. I mean, I can't even play 2K for a full season. I put on that 29 game, six minute quarters, and I still don't even finish it off all the time. Right. Something with the Bucks that I wish I would have just thought about this very simple thing as, you know, we do talk about the loaded East, but it's like they also have the Pistons and the Pacers in their division. Like we didn't talk about that. So that's like that stone cold eight wins lock. Yeah. <laughs> they have two of those already from the Pistons. Then they have the eh, Bulls and the Cavs. So they have one other team in their division that they would even like kind of worry about for a second where the Atlantic is the Sixers, the Celtics, the on-fire Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> the Knicks. Like, it's just more teams that are trying. I mean, they have the two of the tanky, tanky teams in their division. So, man, maybe we should have just slammed that Bucks over the whole time. Looks like we should have. I think what we want to see is them play a really good team. They're, like I said, they're going for their 
eighth straight win to open the season. I think they play the Timberwolves tomorrow. Mm. I read that last time they played the Timberwolves in Minnesota, they lost, but Giannis didn't play. And like it was a pretty feisty game. I think George Hill got ejected. So <laughs> this could be a fun one. It's on <laughs> national TV. Uh, but the next time they play like a really good team in their division in the Cavs is November 16th. Mm. I think that will be a really telling game when those two like juggernauts in the East play. I think that'll be a good matchup. Watching the Cavs play is insane. <laughs> like it's just like the fast Garland came back last night and it's just these tiny little speedsters coupled with Giants in Mobley and Allen. And I know Karis LeVert scored 41 points the other day, and so yeah. did Mitchell. It's <laughs> an insane 82 combo. But if LeVert was just Joe Ingles from three, year, three years ago, if it was Danny Green when he was on the Spurs or even the Raptors, if it was just a guy who would just hit threes and actually pass it to the better players on the team, the Cavs might be there. I know this isn't a Cavs combo, but I'm jumping into one right now. Like, I, there's a reality where they're in the Eastern Conference Finals and we're okay with them being there. Like, it's not like, oh, they shouldn't have been there. Like, they might be the second best team in the East. And that Bucks Cavs game is going to be really incredible. I got to circle that one on the calendar. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, that's the most confident, like, Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference Finals matchup I can think of right now. Those two teams have looked incredible so far. Wow. Uh, let's go to another team in the East, one who wishes they'd be really confident to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We got the Hawks, where Trey Young and DeJounte have had some great individual games, but they ain't 7-0. How are the Hawks doing? <laughs> they're not 7-0, but they're doing pretty well. 5-3. and three. Um, And it's kind of... I don't know. They're not playing super well. It's honestly kind of lucky. I might even say on their part that they're five and three right now. Our Hawks correspondent, Evan Tucker, friend of the pod, is just already calling for their coach to be fired. He's very Whoa. upset with how their defense is going. Doesn't see much positivity in their path forward with him. So a change there early might be unwarranted given their record but might set them on a better path for the rest of the season do you think it's too early to hard to be calling for the head of their coach right now <laughs> as a basketball fan i've never had that feeling of like our coach is the problem so <laughs> i guess it, if it's bad it can't be too early but you just have to think what's the alternative you think Steve Nash wants to move down to Atlanta? Here we get Mike D'Antoni. Who's Evan suggesting? Right. And not not to bash on him, but if you're like, we need to fire our coach. I think if you're going to say that, you have to have a replacement in mind because it's not like there's a million great NBA coaches that are just waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. Like you'll have to pick from one of them that currently doesn't have a job because they weren't one of the best 30 options right now, <laughs> you know, or at one point, you know, like they are not a head coach right now for reasons. So maybe someone else can come in. That's not coaching. That's a better fit, but they're not coaching right now for a reason on the side of Hawks fans. 
Last time they fired their coach and hired their current one, Nate McMillan, everything got way better. So <laughs> maybe you're just looking back on you last time. What do we need to do to change? Well, there's the change. Uh, maybe Trey Young just gets tired of a coach yelling at him. Yeah, he seems like a good teammate, but he's one of those guys that their whole team says he's a good teammate. But maybe everyone else is like, man, I bet that guy's super polarizing. And mm. only their team is like, no, he's actually a great guy. Like Russell Westbrook, maybe kind of don't really want to well. compare him to that guy too much. <laughs> but like in terms of his perception. <laughs> Do we think the Hawks, I mean, five and three, it's a good record. I don't know what percent that is. I wish Alex Mathman Rumor was here to calculate that one for us real quick, but it's fine. We're moving on. Who needs quick math? Not me. Seems like a good one. The Hawks, are they fitting together? Like, good record, but are Murray and Young, are they still in the honeymoon phase? Kind of like you said, they've had some really good individual games. They just had a really good, fun win against the Knicks in MSG, Trey's favorite place to play. Um, And DeJounte Murray went off, and that might be because Trey Young got like this eye injury. He didn't play much in the second half. He came Mm -hmm. back with some with some goggles but like you said they have some individual games i wonder if it's a point to the team to like let Dejounte cook a little bit because his stats have not dropped very much compared to last year i thought they would have dropped fairly significantly i think that might be a point that they're trying to do get him really confident with this new team i wonder if that's going to change at some point when trey young is like awesome you fit in <laughs> now this is still my team bro <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like, can they survive with like 45% Trey, 45% DeJounte, and 10% left for everybody else? Because Trey hasn't not Trey (laughs) Trey hasn't stopped having the ball as much as he wants. They've just been giving to to DeJounte a lot. And Mm -hmm. then you don't see Hunter or Collins or Capella really do anything. It's just those two guys. We're in a Chris Paul, James Harden rocket situation where Trevor Reza is standing in the corner just waiting. But it's not NBA vet Trevor Reza who's trying to win a championship. It's DeAndre Hunter who's trying to become an NBA vet and get a second contract and make a name for himself. Right. And maybe they're doing that on purpose because their like big offseason move was hey, we got a lot of shooters. Maybe let's trade those in for some defenders. And they got rid of Herter and Gallinari, who were just like not volume wise, but percentage wise were their two best shooters. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they're like, we did that so that Trey and Murray could have the ball that amount of time and everyone else just play defense. I wonder if there's room for like some more bench shooting, if they want to backtrack on that a little bit, if they want to end up moving Collins or maybe Capella. Which one would you rather move? Capella. Because just put in Okongwu. Exactly, exactly. I think you could get more for Collins, obviously, because he just is better than Capella. But Okongwu, or even Collins can play a little bit of the 5-2. I think one of them needs to move for this team to like reach its potential. And 
the Jazz are my answer to everything, every trade. They have every type of player you want. You want to take a risk on a young guy coming off an injury, Colin Sexton. You want Jordan Clarkson, instant offense off the bench. Jared Vanderbilt, a massive defender. Kelly Olynyk, a shooting three. Laurie frickin' Markinen, shout out my fantasy team, MVP of the league. Can't trade Laurie, he's untouchable. That guy's going to be on the team when they have Scoot scooting around on the squad but all that is to say not every team's trying to win there's teams to trade and capella's been on the trade market almost as long as miles turner has <laughs> very good point yeah i love that i love the lori market and love that we're getting on the pod <laughs> <laughs> i uh i do want to point out while they are five and three i'm gonna rattle off their wins right now mm. they beat the rockets the magic the Pistons twice. The Pistons are really getting murdered by these <laughs> Bucks and the Hawks. Um, and then they won against the Knicks. And their losses oh. are the Raptors, Bucks, and the Hornets. That might just be an outlier. But so they lost to the good teams and they've beaten the bad teams. And one more stretch that I want to point out is their next nine games because it is a murderer's row early. Ooh. Their next nine games are the Pelicans, Bucks, a dip for the Jazz, play the 76ers twice in a row, then Bucks, Celtics, Raps, and Cavs. So eight of their <laughs> next nine games are like the best teams in the league. <laughs> so we're going to know, man, Bucks, Celtics, Raps, Cavs, is, were those those last four? That's their, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's nothing easy. That's Zaza Pachulia. Nothing <laughs> easy. Wow. Shout out classic Hawks clip. But I, I, we're going to know. Yeah. Uh, let's pencil that and do a nine game from now check in on the Hawks because we don't know right now. We don't know. You've beaten teams that you should have and lost teams you should have. Let's see how it goes. We checked the record on the Bucks. It's looking good. It looks like 7-0. Is is what it actually is. They're an incredible team. The Hawks, we dipped our toe in the water. We can't tell. I don't know if I want to get in the pool yet exactly. with the Hawks. After this break, we're going to get into a couple Western Conference teams. Can you really talk about Trey Young without talking about Luka Doncic? On the Dallas Mavericks, they will forever be tied in reality and in this podcast. We'll start with Luka Doncic, 36-9-9 on this 4-3 Dallas Mavericks team. Let's check their record. Game one, Booker battled them out, and the Suns beat them out, 107-105. to Then they crushed the Grizzlies in a three-point barrage. Lost barely to the Pelicans. The Pelicans just overwhelmed them with their team versus just Luka as an individual. Beat the Nets in OT. Lost to the Thunder in OT. That one's a weird one. But then you look at Shea's stats. He scored like 38 points. Outdueled Luka there. Beat the Magic because they're better than them. And then beat the Jazz because they're better than them. That seems about right. Beat the Grizz. Beat the Nets. Lost to the Suns. Pelicans. And they kind of went and they went two and one against the Magic Jazz and the Thunder early season. 
when I'm looking at the Mavs, what I see is a pretty poorly constructed team plus one incredible superstar. JR, do you see something different? No, I know I was pretty high on this Dallas Mavs team, but it is looking early. Like you said, they might not be as properly constructed as last year, which kind of makes sense. You take away their second best player and they're a little bit worse. Luca, though, still looks amazing. But it seems like on any night they can beat anybody or lose to anybody. So I'm really in, in limbo with this team right now. Yeah, their best win was against the Grizzlies, 137 to 96. Kind of a kill job by the Mavs. They hit 17 threes, 17 for 39. So it's like, okay, in every game, Luka is doing incredibly well. And he doesn't have Drew Holiday next to him. He doesn't have Brooke Lopez. There's no Bobby Portis. There's not even a Mike Boonholzer calling the shots. Who knows if Jason Kidd is good or if he just can yell at guys to, hey, he's like, be like my role players when I was on the Nets <laughs> and I was trying to win MVPs and only scoring like 16 points a game. But <laughs> like, I don't know if the Mavs have anywhere to go besides four and three. I think they could be. 43 and 41 at the end of the year. Damn. And that's pretty disappointing with a team with Luca, who I think everyone can just agree. Like you just start your team with Giannis first, but him second, probably at this point. He's in that combo for sure. So Christian Wood came on strong, but it looks like he's not going to be a super reliable number two. (laughs) Is this? A trade team to the Jazz. Are the Jazz already ringing the Mavs phone? Trade question mark on basically all these teams we talked about. Like (laughs) the answer is yes, you got to do something Um, unless Luca can just go up a whole other other level. I don't know. You look at Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith and it's sometimes you get like 10 points from them combined. Those are two starter quality players. And then you look over at Jalen Brunson. He's kind of pulling this Knicks team together the best a point guard can. And honestly, you look at Beard Kristaps Porzingis in Washington, who just had a killer game uh, the other night. Scored like 30 points, 10 rebounds, a few blocks. Like that, I'm not saying he should have stayed because that situation was toast. But what they have now isn't great either. I don't know how many teams in the West that I like the Mavs more than. Right. They are. They're looking like definitely not a home court advantage team. I mean, if they keep playing like this, where you don't really know if they're going to win or lose on any given night, are they flirting with some play in buzz? Like it seems crazy. They need to make a trade. And I'm saying that because it seems like a crime to waste even one of these Luca years. But that's the Mavs specialty, <laughs> wasting, <laughs> wasting years of MVP candidates. Dirk Nowitzki sat around from like 2006 to 2011. His apex, his prime of just like, eh. and then even in 2011, it 
Jason Terry and Tyson Chandler and Jason Kidd <laughs> and old Sean Marion like all combined to make the perfect stew to like somehow <laughs> beat LeBron James and D Wade and Chris Bosh in their in their primes. I mean, you can't wait for a miracle to happen. Just sign somebody good at basketball. <laughs> right. I mean, it's and the and the fact is Luca does so much on one end of the floor that you kind of can get rid of a lot of these role players, which I know they got rid of some of them during this offseason, but you can do a two for one, three for one and attempt to get someone really, really good to pair with him. Hopefully a big man that maybe specializes on defense. I would love to see. Don't think the heat would trade him. <laughs> and I don't think they could make a trade for him, but if bam and Luca could somehow play together, that is like my ideal pairing. That's so funny that you say that. I was watching the Heat Warriors game, and it seems like as soon as Bam has received the ball on a pick and roll when he's rolling, like it's already over. Like the Heat are going to score. His decision making, his speed, and just the matchup against any typical big man that he's against, like it's like ninety percent, ninety five percent chance. Like if the if the screen is complete and the ball is in his hand, it's over. It's over. Yeah. Um. So that would be incredible, but the Heat absolutely would never trade Bam. Yeah. But I see, I see what you mean. Like, could the Mavs do have to take a swing on a kind of a risky player? Like, that's why they went for Kristaps. Is they thought, okay, can we can we need to take this swing? Anthony Davis? I don't know. Oh, we're just oh, saying names. Hey, hey. We're, 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 just, we're just saying names. It's just a name. It's just a name, and I said it. I just said a name. <laughs> but in February. DeAndre Ayton is available for trade. And whenever the Suns don't have DeAndre Ayton, you don't even really miss it. You're kind of just like, I mean, he's good at basketball, but it's their team concept. It's Monty Williams being a great coach. It's Booker playing out of his mind. It's helping those yeah. Suns. For the Mavs, even if they turn around and when we check their record in 30 games, 40 games, Maybe they're up five or six above 500. You still just think playoffs. And that's like, what's going to happen? Well, they're going to, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to make a bad decision. Christian Wood is going to think, it's my time to shine. And if you can stop Luca, which you may not even have to stop Luca, they might go the Curry route where it's like, okay, let Curry go off, let Luca go off, and we'll stop everybody else. With the teams they played, with the Thunder and the Pelicans being on there, you really want to see this record being a lot better than it is. Right. And if Luca can't even own the Suns, which, like, he owns multiple Monopoly houses in the Suns, <laughs> or he used to, that's what we all thought. But then Booker was just like, yeah, my team's better than you, yours, and I'm, like, 85% as good as you, so I'm going to win. Which good for the Suns because they yeah. should it shouldn't have been that bad of a blowout in the playoffs. No, nah. um, you're right with Luca because of everything that we just said. When you play the bad teams, Luca, those have to be wins because when you play the good teams, maybe you can't, you know, hold up against multiple superstars on one team. So those easy ones, you have to win those. Yeah, you do. Another four and three team that 
had championship sparkles in their eyes and lots of championship bets behind them. The Denver Nugs, four and three, playing right now. Uh, so five and three soon. But <laughs> game one is when the Jazz Mania started. The Jazz took care of the Nugs, 193 or 123 to 102, not 193. Calm down, Utah. Uh, <laughs> Denver immediately turns around. Let's beat Golden State. Boom. Let's take care of business OKC. And then another great game, Trailblazers Nuggets. Trailblazers killed the Nugs. 135 to 110. You kept thinking, okay, can the Nuggets get back in this one? And the Trailblazers just held them off. That was the Trailblazers coming out party. Nuggets beat the worst team in the league, the Los Angeles Lakers. Obvs. They got their revenge on the Jazz. Lakers overtime game. Boom. Beat the Nuggets. 121-110. Surprise, surprise. And then they're playing right now, like I said, on NBA TV. It's 49-31 against the Thunder. Let's chalk that one up for the Nuggets, just to say. <laughs> so let's call them 5-3. and three. JR, local Nuggets fan. Is it just Jamal? Is it like they're feeding Jamal because he is their second best player in theory, and he's just, he can't eat. He's full. He's too injured. Is that the reason? Can we just boil it down to that whole point right there? That's that's what I'm doing. I mean, listen, Jokic said it himself. We, Jamal's going to suck for the first 20 <laughs> games of the season. They are feeding him. They like want him to get back to like what he's doing good. So I'm in the mindset. Obviously, I like the Nuggets now. I want them to do great. Like these first 20 games, don't care what their record is. Mm. Their their goal is to get Jamal back in shape. That's that's what I'm going with. Their 21st game, I'm kind of like, okay, now their season really starts, which isn't how it works. I know those first 20 games count <laughs> just as much as any of the other games. Yeah. But I think that's their mindset too. They know they're good. They know, hey, we can maybe coast-ish for 20 games then start really playing put our heads down and play and still be really good in the west the disappointing thing for the nuggets is like they beat the team that they probably shouldn't have beat they beat golden state at home like we were just talking about how the bucks had kind of a soft schedule they were even though it maybe shouldn't have been like the nuggets played the lakers twice and went one and one against them but the Nucks could easily have the Bucks record. They could be 7-0. and Like the teams I just told, like they beat the Warriors, but they played the Jazz twice. They're, played the, the, they've, they're playing the Thunder right now and already played them. They played the Trailblazers and they played the Lakers twice. Like this is, that seems 6-1-y and to me or 7-0. and Even with an injured Jamal, I think the whole team is focused too much on bringing Jamal back. They should take a page out of the Warriors book and just be like, yeah, sometimes we're just going to bring him off the bench. Because I, seem, I think Jokic hasn't... He's the one guy is who isn't in the MVP conversation right now because of his record and because he's not meeting his incredibly high expectations. Right. He is still playing well, I will say. We both acknowledge that he would have to take it up a notch to win a third straight MVP. And I just, you know, he's been one of my favorite players to watch in like a decade. Like <laughs> how can he take a step up? Kind of like mm -hmm. we feel about Luca. We made that joke about Luca. Like what if Luca 
could he possibly even take a step up of what he already has taken? So like he's playing great, but to win this third MVP, he'd have to take even another step, which might not even be possible. I am just trying to stay positive. Seems like to your point, maybe bring Jamal off the bench because they're all concerned with him. Some nights they just like forget to play defense. They're getting scored in the high, high one (laughs) thirties. That's not how you win. No, I talked about this a little bit on the fantasy zone comes out Mondays, sometimes Tuesdays. If I go to Spurs game Sunday night, shout out Spurs. I'm a fan of Spurs. I don't know if we talk about it enough on the pod, but I love them. Um, (laughs) I talked about Jamal Murray and how he is doing below what he's expected to do this week. I mean, like just in general, he's getting like 13, 12 points per game. I think it was 12.7 points per game so far this season. And then I went back and I looked at what has he done in previous seasons? His obviously not last year because he missed all of that year. But the year before that, when he only played 48 games, he was averaging 20 so far. And the two years before that, he was averaging 18. So he had a great bubble. He's had a couple good playoff games. How good is Jamal Murray? I say all that to ask that. Like, can should he be the number two? Should that be the hope? It's it's tough because your number one is so good that maybe you can afford to have your number two be maybe like a bottom to your number two. I mm. think he can be really good. Like you said, he had a really good bubble. I think his value might not be his like regular season stats. But like he's going to show up to playoff games and he's Mm. proven that. So I think that's kind of their mindset. Like he's not going to score 25 points per game next to Jokic. But in the playoffs. Like having him out there as a threat to score 50 is super worth it. Mm. Right. Yes. Okay. This whole season. Is this just like a get right season for Jamal? Should they be resting him more? I think you're right on track with everything that I'm thinking as well. Like, just rest him. You're you're clearly trying to force it. You're losing games that you shouldn't lose. Maybe he obviously wants to play. He hasn't played in a long time, but that's where the coaching comes in. That's why your coach has to say, hey, man, you look a little overwhelmed. Let's like rest you a game. We're, we're seven games in. It's OK. Now, if we're at the. 50 game mark and you're still not playing right then maybe we have to make another adjustment but right now it's early (laughs) i'm gonna ask you this question and then we're gonna go to break for all the listeners to hear it okay okay who says no jamal murray michael porter jr and the next three first round picks that the nuggets can offer for kevin durant oh we'll find out jr's answer (laughs) After the break. JR? KD? Nuggies? <laughs> now, KD is really, really good, but that, much like in this offseason, is far too much to give up for KD right now. <laughs> Again, if you win the championship, I guess it's all worth it, which they should absolutely do if they make that trade. Yep. 
but and I can't believe I'm saying this is one <laughs> championship worth it. Maybe a couple. Maybe you can go back to back. KD isn't only going to play one more year, but is that championship worth more than two young stars and three picks? <laughs> that sounds a little much. <laughs> the question is, is it two young stars or is it Jamal Murray and a tall broken back? You're right. You're right. Get out now on Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> and have kept an old Kevin Durant average and efficient 28 points per game far into the distance as Jokic sets him up. Damn, you're making it a little closer for me. Make it, make it, make it two picks, make it two firsts. <laughs> oh, I think the Nets are in because they get their reset. They can yeah. trade Ky- Kyrie for whatever. Let's call it into the league office because I would love to see, you know, how can you be upset when you're playing next to Jokic? I mean, I know Kevin Durant <laughs> was upset playing on the greatest basketball team of all time. So I guess that's how. But you just don't you just don't get Draymond around to poke him, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all right. I love I love that. I'm I'm actually in. Sign sign me oh! up for KD. Sign me up for KD. <laughs> I'm making that trade in 2K tonight. I'm gonna play three games and then cancel the franchise because <laughs> it's too easy. Last week's primetime picks, I went one and two. The only one I got right was my lone pick. Magic crushed the Hornets. Boom. JR, you went two and one. We both got our first pick wrong. We thought the Wizards could take care of biz. We were wrong. I was on the wrong sides of Pelican Suns. You were on the right. And then uh, you picked that home dog, the San Antonio Spurs, <laughs> to cover against the Bulls. Didn't even need the didn't even need the points. We just won. <laughs> didn't need the points. Our home dog picks came through hard. Everyone loves a home dog. <laughs> they do. They I do. They do. We all do. You're a scorching hot two and one, and I'm an ice cold one and two. <laughs> Let's see if I can turn it around. First game next t- uh, tomorrow on ESPN: Bulls at Celtics. Celtics with their new full-time head coach. They haven't officially uninterimed him. Celtics minus seven. Jr., who are you picking and why? I think I'm going to pick. Now, this one's really tough. It's kind of a lot of points. I'm going to just go with my gut here. I'm actually going to pick the Bulls. I Demar is playing really well again. He loves the start of a season. (laughs) He's never played better than the first like 25 games of a season. Just beat the Nets. (laughs) Just beat the Nets, which, you know, means a little less um, (laughs) every day, each and every day. Um, I guess I'm just hoping that the Celtics are like, Whoa, where did our suspended head coach go? Why is he <laughs> why is he still not around the team? I don't know. I'm taking the Bulls. I'm taking the Celtics for the same reason that you just said about the suspended head coach. We're free. Hmm. No more questions about him. We're free. Also, I'm taking them because I think they're like 20 points better than the Bulls, <laughs> not just a seven. And you can play this clip back on me, Nick, whenever the Bulls win <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Nick, leave it in. I am taking the Celtics, though. JR is taking the Bulls. The late game, we talked about it earlier. Bucks at T-Wolves. T-Wolves, a home dog. A home wolf. (laughs) JR, do you trust this home wolf? I do not. I do not. I do not. We called it before the beginning of the season. They tricked us with their first few games, but it looks like that pairing 
is not good. I might be being extra harsh, but I will just not believe in the Timberwolves going forward. I will stay on that path. And because of what I said earlier about the Bucks, I think teams and players remember, hey, last time we were in this building, we lost. We had like a tussle. One of our guys got ejected. I think that they want to kill this team. So give me the Bucks. You sold me. I'm with you. Bucks minus three. Completely agree. The great teams can take the other great teams down. And if you're the Timberwolves and have something fundamentally wrong with your team, you're definitely getting beat. Bucks minus three all the way. My special pick, solo pick. We got to nail that one down as well, JR. Listeners, please help us out. We're bad with names. We love, we hate home wolves. We love home (laughs) dogs. Yes, we do. Cavs at Pistons. Pistons plus seven and a half. I say it all the time. You don't have to win, Pistons. You just got to be a little scrappy. And we were being effusive with our praise on the Cavs. But the Pistons at home, Detroit basketball going. And I've liked Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey so far. I'm going to check this game out. And I'm taking Pistons plus seven and a half. All right. Sticking with the home dogs, keeping keeping your win streak going here. <laughs> I I I'm just afraid of the I'm afraid of the Cavs. <laughs> I'll just I'll just put it there. The Cavs, I feel like can beat anyone right now, but I'll never be mad at a home dog pick. Thank you. For my solo pick, uh I'm kind of picking a team that's playing a team that we bashed a little bit. I am going to take the Toronto Raptors. At Mavs, they are plus four. I think that oh. this Toronto team is very good. I think they're not flashy, but I think they have like infinity guys to throw at Luca. And I don't trust his uh supporting cast. The Raps are plus four? Yeah. The Raptors they're are just a better team. I should have taken that one. <laughs> yeah, the Raps are plus four at Mavs. So they're an, they're an away dog, sure. <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> <laughs> and you're taking these raps. Man, I wish it would. Yeah, I mean, I. they're going to. The raps stifle offensives, and the Mavs is a pretty easy offense to stifle. Can I? Can I just? I'm just taking the money line. Don't even give me the points. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> we'll give you the points. I know you just had the money line. You can you can have the points just for our record books, but we'll, the true the daily dimers will know. Right. You don't even you don't even want the points. I'll take them, but I tried to refuse them. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> uh, you went Bulls. I went Celtics. Plus seven, minus seven. We both went Bucks minus three. I took the Pistons plus seven and a half. You took the Raps plus four on the road against the Mavs. We'll keep you updated how we do. JR, your earth-shattering buzzer beater last week made me really step my game up and made me think, what do I care about most? And it's general managers. There's been a lot of Sean Marks trashing and saying, why did they just fire Sean Marks? What has he ever done for the Nets? Oh, they signed DeAndre Jordan. 
also with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Every superstar gets one just complete bum they get to bring along the way. And people love DeAndre Jordan. Come on. And it's, it's, okay, let's just go back. Sean Marks was born. No, just kidding. Sean Marks was hired by the Brooklyn Nets on February, in February of 2016. His first two moves were incredible. He waved Andrea Bagnani, and he waved Joe Johnson. So just killer big brain moves instantly right off the bat. Then he hired Kenny Atkinson, his coach, up until the point when Kevin Durant said, uh, actually, I don't kind of want this weirdo like talking to me and yelling at me and telling me to get low in my defensive stance. So they got rid of him. But he took him to the playoffs without these great lottery picks, without the traditional way to rise up. So he hired a great coach. Then he signed Joe Harris and signed Spencer Dinwiddie. Just free agents, just out there for $2 million and $3 million contracts. These guys are starters on hopeful NBA playoff teams. He made a world-class trade, D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Moskov, to his team. And all he had to give up was Brooke Lopez in the 2020, and his 27th pick in the 2017 draft. He got D'Angelo Russell on his team. Who did D'Angelo Russell get turned into two years later? Kevin Durant. D'Angelo Russell was a crucial part in the sign and trade to get Kevin Durant. You like, he took an asset from the Lakers, who at the time was just this guy who ratted out uh, Nick Young to Iggy Azalea and didn't get along with any of the other Lakers. And he became a kind of a ball hog, but another starter in the league. And most importantly, first Sean Marks as a general manager, a trade asset. He drafted Jared Allen with the 22nd pick. Uh, Second best player, third best player on the Cavs, anybody? A center that everybody in the league would want? And then, then the James Harden trade. The first one. The first one, folks. He's backed into a corner. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are saying, we got to get this guy. Shaw Marks must know, okay, like, I probably want to just do this on my own, but my guys want their guy. The owner's probably saying, do it. In really, really in the grand scheme of things, what tangible pieces he gave up for James Harden were Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and three first-round picks. I mean... Karis LeVert, not good. Just scored 41 points, but he's a ball hog. Jared Allen is good. James Harden is incredible. Because when that first season, when KD and Kyrie and James Harden played together, it was world class. Then things started to get a little cuckoo crazy. But he took a team inherited with a... Russian oligarch win now owner who was like, I will do anything to win now. I'll spend as much money as possible. And then he was like, uh, actually, I don't care. <laughs> like, actually, you don't have my support. I know we just got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and traded away every young player possible. He dug that team out and without KD, without Kyrie, got into the playoffs, slowly acquired great talent like Dinwiddie, like Jared Allen, like D'Angelo Russell, and turn those pieces into bona fide superstars, top 100 players in NBA history. It is not Sean Mark's fault. You can't have a perfect record, and his record is pretty dang good. 
They shouldn't have fired Steve Nash either. I'm out. <laughs> Incredible. Coming to the defense of Sean Marks when he needs it the most. <laughs> the only reason I did this because he was on the bench of the Spurs in 2014 when we won the championship. Shout out Sean Marks, Spurs for life, baby. JR, another fantastic pod. I'm sweating my bald spots off over here <laughs> in the pod closet. Hopefully, listeners, you enjoyed it as much as we did saying it. JR, anything to plug? <laughs> yeah, follow me on social media, all of my channels and such. Uh, no. Uh, thanks for listening. Please tweet us. Please email us. I'm going to go watch the magic. Try to close out the Warriors. They are up to with a lot of time left. Whoa. Magic over Warriors. Great. I'm going to do that same thing. Thanks for listening, listeners. Thanks for talking, JR. Bye, everybody.